concrete example of how this is, uh, is working. Um, so that means that the, the, uh, the committees, the inqu inquiries is uh, uh, not part of any ministry. Uh, and typically these uh, inquiries and, or committees are shared by hi a high-ranking civil servant or a judge or a um, high-ranking person from academia. Um, in our case, uh, it was uh, Mrs. Anna-Karin Jatko, who is uh, the Director General of the Swedish Export Credit Agency, and she was doing this more or less on her spare time. So I, I, I myself and my colleagues have done most of, of the work in the, in the, in the report. So the in inquiry's remit was adopted um, in December 2017, and we presented report on, the report on the 9th of December uh, last year. Um, and uh, I would like to draw your attention to a number of, of um, consequential events that preceded the, the, the decision to, to, um, to set up this inquiry. Uh, first of all, we had the Brexit referendum in 2016. We had Nordea's relocation of its headquarters to Helsinki. And we had uh, an update of the Danish report on participation in, in, in the banking union uh, uh, ongoing. They had the previous report in 2015. So that was kind of the landscape when, when, when the government decided to, to set up this, um, this committee. Um, we were asked to do a comprehensive <coughs> analysis of the consequ consequences uh, of, of potential pa participation from a number of aspects, which I will uh, show in a minute. Uh, and basically, it's like a pro... As an economist, I'm very delighted to be uh, given the opportunity to say, on the one hand, or the other hand. So this is a very on the one hand or the other hand kind of uh, exercise. Um, and um, uh, jumping a little bit ahead, uh, that means that we, are, we were not asked to draft legislation uh, or to give any recommendations. So if you read the report, you will see that hopefully we have a stick to that. Uh, uh, to, to, to that task. So I will not give you my, or any sort of final conclusions. Uh, maybe that's another disappointment, but that, that's how it is. Um, so, and, and one precondition, important precondition for the inquiry is that Sweden retains uh, euro as the currency. Uh, so this is not part of a transition towards... Uh, Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, Just to clarify. <laughs> uh, Freudian slip, maybe. I don't know. When in Brussels. Uh, uh, well, that means that, that we, uh, Sweden cannot participate on, on equal terms as uh, euro area member states. And I will have a comment on that as well. But it's an important precondition uh, stated in, in, in the, the um, remit. Uh, see. Uh, and here you can see the different aspects that we're supposed to, to cover. So it's, you can see it's, uh, the, the remit is quite quite broad one. Uh, and that also means that the report is quite extensive if you, if you uh, dare to read it in, in, in Swedish. Um, there, there are some aspects that are not mentioned in the, in, in the, in the remit, but that might be, uh, might be important in the political process going forward. And that is, for instance, 
Sweden's role in the EU more broadly? What will this mean for our Sweden's role and, and influence in, in, in all aspects of, of the EU policy, not only financial markets uh, or more economic policy? Um, we had at our disposal a very competent um, group of experts, uh, and you can see their name. And the oh, sorry, uh, uh, their um, names and their affiliations here on, on, on the slide. So it's a quite a good mix of people from uh, from uh, civil service, from academia, from the authorities concerned. Uh, and also from from uh, from uh, uh, the administ administrative court, um, we have also, of course, be, been engaging with the ECB and the SRB and the Commission, the European Court of Auditors, and what have you, and also with a number of participating member states in order to sh get their experiences, uh, positive and negative, from 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 participation, and that has been. Uh, extremely useful uh, for our analysis, uh, analysis, and of course we have uh, also been in close contact with our Danish colleagues uh, uh, during their uh, report, and that was published uh, just before Christmas. Uh, we have also commissioned three um, uh, reports from external academics, and you can see them on the slide. Two of them are published by the Swedish Institute for, uh, for European Policy Studies, and they will, one is already accessible uh, uh, on their web, uh, web page, and the two others are, are kind of forthcoming. Then I will turn, to, uh, turn back to this precondition for participation. First, uh, that might, this might not be of particular interest to, to the kind of a European uh, uh, audit, but nevertheless we were asked to implicitly at least to, to assess whether there are any constitutional impediments to participation, and in short we, we found out that there were no such uh, impediments, and that's a good starting point, <laughs> otherwise it could be a, a, a slightly more difficult uh, exercise and indeed a political process. Um, now, when the banking union was negotiated in 2012, um, there was a broadly held view among um, all the member states, not only non-euro area member states, that non-euro area member states should be given the possibility to participate on equal uh, terms as uh, euro area member states. And, uh, but it turns out, since uh, the supervisory powers were conferred on the ECB, and the governing council of the ECB is the, uh, the, the uh, highest decision-making body within the ECB. Uh, it was clear from the outset that Sweden could not participate on equal terms. So our task has been to assess whether it's possible to, to participate on equivalent terms. And, and uh, the reason is, uh, of course, that the, 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 central, uh, the government of the Central Bank of Sweden doesn't sit on the, uh, on the governing council. And, um, and you might know that there is a, a special safeguard mechanism for non-Euro area member states, and it's quite technical, uh, so I won't go into details, but it, it, it's per, it, it is meant to compensate, at least to some extent, for the fact that 
there, there is not, not possible for non-euro area member states to participate on, e on, on equal terms. Uh, and it, it contains uh, a process where, where, when, where Sweden could or Denmark could uh, object to certain decisions or draft decisions uh, taken in, in, on, uh, in supervisory issues. But perhaps more importantly, Sweden or a non-Euro area member state can leave without no reason after three years. Um, and uh, of course that could come with, uh, come at a cost in politically, political cost or economic cost uh, if, if you sort of press that uh, atomic weapon button. Um, uh, but anyway. Uh, we have also identified the, num identified the number of what we call offsetting factors, and that those are factors that are not explicitly laid down in the regulations that sort of governs the, 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 um, the banking union, uh, but some other factors we, which we find important. And one is that in the ECB governing council you have a rotation system, which means that I think it's four you, four governors from, from uh, uh, national central banks in the euro area who, who, who don't have voting rights at each, uh, at each meeting in the governing council, which means that they, 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 this is, uh, we're, if Sweden joins and we don't have the voting right in, in the governing council, we will be joined by four others. So that's one kind of a offsetting factor. Uh, we think it's important to to at least to take note of. Um, and we also think that it will be possible to create some kind of a side arrangement where the uh, Director General of the Swedish FSA could, could participate when or if the Governing Council have meetings, has meetings in uh, its uh, supervision uh, configuration. So they will, be, we will not have the voting rights, but we will have the right to to be present and 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 and, and be uh, uh, given the same kind of informations, uh, information as as uh, euro area member states, um, and our conclusion is that we find that there are preconditions for 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 participation on equivalent terms, but in the end, it's a political decision whether those uh, the safeguard mechanism and the uh, and the um, other offsetting factors are sufficient to, to um, uh, yeah, sufficient for uh, the conditions for equi equivalent terms to be fulfilled. So that's not something that you can answer in, uh, on a technical, from a technical point of view. It's uh, in the end, it's political. So maybe, uh, of course, to the um, the core of. The banking union, namely supervision and resolution, I, I will um, point at some of these. Um, uh, and the the, um, the bullets you find on the slide, the, 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 those are more salient pros and cons and risks that we have identified. Of course, there are a number of others that we maybe of that are important, but maybe not as uh, important as as, uh, as this one. Um, so in short, even we emphasize that, that uh, the banking union is primarily about apl application of, the, of, of a common uh, regulatory framework known as the single rulebook. So it's not, the fact, it's not the case that there are completely different rules in the banking union compared to outside. And I think that's very important to bear in mind. So, um, 
and uh, as you probably know, there is a, a more and more harmonization when it comes to financial market regulation, uh, and that means that the, the room for maneuver for national authorities, I mean supervisory authorities and resolution authorities, are becoming less and less. Uh, and that would be the case also for, for Sweden, of course. Uh, but uh, we, nevertheless, we, we conclude that there will be some more flexibility if Sweden stays outside. There will be some meaningful room for maneuver when it comes to setting certain bank-specific capital requirements, uh, these so-called MREL requirements, and also uh, uh, when it comes to macroprudential buffers. Um, even though macroprudential buffers are retained at the national level. Uh, so so uh, that th this is macroprudential buffers are not or macroprudential tools in general are not transferred to, to, the, to the ECB, it's kept. But nevertheless, you need to coordinate with the ECB, and we believe that this coordination process will effectively uh, decrease the room for maneuver for, for uh, national authorities. Um, yeah, we mentioned also that, that there are a number of... Uh, of, of um, uh, clear benefits uh, to Sweden if Sweden was, uh, was to uh, uh, join the banking union. And there are a number of economies of scale that we point at, and one being that, I mean, the, re the amount of resources that the ECB has at its dispose disposal combined with the, uh, with the resource resources at the national level is, is uh, it's huge. And it's very difficult to replicate at the national level, of course. And the same goes for the possibility to, to, I mean, to collect data, to compare banks of similar business model and size uh, across the banking union, and so on. So the, 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 those are clear benefits uh, uh, that we identify. Of course, there might be less uh, flexibility in a rather complex structure as the banking union. We have a lot of interactions and, uh, with the, the central and the national level and also maybe some, somewhat more cumbersome decision-making processes. Uh, one of the one other benefits is, of course, that you w would get fresh eyes on your on your on your um, uh, on Swedish risk in the on risk in the Swedish banking system, and that's probably a good thing. Now, in the transition, it might be the case that you will lose uh, some knowledge of local conditions uh, in the centralized organization compared to if, if uh, the Swedish FSA were, were, were um, uh, have the ultimate responsibility, so to say. But 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 we deem those this risk to be not that big, <laughs> uh, and it and probably will over time it will not be a, a major major problem. And we also point that one of the, I mean, one of the fundamental ideas behind the banking union is to to improve supervision uh, of and resolution of cross-border banks. And of course, that will we think that this is something that would benefit Swedish cross-border banks. We have two of the three largest banks now since after Nordea has moved, uh, that, that are active already within the banking union and have uh, uh, subsidiaries in, in the Baltic uh, countries, uh, uh, primarily. Yeah, um, how are my time-wise? Yep, okay. Uh, we have a fairly extensive discussion um, 
about uh, uh, safety net issues, and that's uh, uh, what, what, I, what we mean by that is financing of resolution of, of, of uh, failing banks. It's liquidity support to, to not only failing, but also ailing banks, uh, and the deposit guarantee system. And uh, of course, if if you join the banking union, you, you will have access to a resolution fund that are several orders of magnitude larger than, than, than at the national level. And even if Sweden has a very comparatively high, uh, large, sorry, uh, resolution fund, it will nevertheless it will be much uh, larger if in the banking union. Of all else equal, that's a good thing if you want to to rescue or resolve a, a, a uh, large, uh, large bank. Um, now, we, we point that, and this is more a risk than anything else, that in time of a, if you have a severe systemic crisis, you're not guaranteed to access to these funds. And, and even though in, in we have, we refer to some simulations done where, where you, you, those simulations show that if if you combine the the, the, the single resolution fund with the, with the backstop in even in very severe scenarios those money will will be enough but there's still nevertheless there's no guarantee that when when if if you enter a, a situation with you know two three of the of the uh, largest banks in, in Europe that fails you, you, it's not um, you cannot guarantee the Swedish uh, banks will have access to the funds, and there will be some congestion or maybe some some kind of rationing. And that's, as I said, it, this is a risk. But it, I think we think that it's a risk that is is uh, important to mention. Um, of course, liquidity support in, in um, uh, to to uh, banks in resolution is. Uh, well, it's maybe not an unsolved issue because you can give liquidity support from the re uh, from the single resolution fund, but uh, there's a general perception that those money are, are, are those funds are, are too small to be of any um, uh, to have any material impact uh, on on, on uh, financial stability. Uh, and there are ongoing discussions about this, some kind of. Um, uh, liquidity arrangement that could complement the single resolution fund. Uh, our concern here is if such uh, uh, arrangements are, are, are uh, agreed, we must have Sweden must have access to this liquidity support on, on, on if not uh, equal terms, so, so at least uh, on equivalent terms. Um, we have. Uh, 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 we have in Sweden. We have already some national backstop uh, arrangements in place, which allows the resolution authority to uh, access public funds with a very short notice, and that those funds can be used both for recapitalization and liquidity support. And we believe that in 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 a situation where you have a severe crisis, and Swedish public finances. Uh, are are uh, kept in, in still in good order. Uh, the access to 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 uh, public funds, which can sort of temporarily replenish the resolution 
uh, fund uh, is pr preferred to a situation where you have uncertainty whether you can access uh, uh, funds, uh, sing single resolution fund, and therefore we, we conclude that the, the uh, safety net could be more tightly knit outside uh, in a systemic crisis. Uh, a few words on deposit insurance. Uh, we, uh, in principle, we we uh, we say that uh, that uh, a common deposit guarantee system in the banking union is a, I mean, generally a good idea to have uh, resolution supervision and deposit guarantee at the, at the same level. But for Sweden, that, this is not a big, a big deal. And the reason, the main reason, is that Swedish banks are not uh, the largest Swedish banks are not dependent on on deposits. They are market financed. Now that that has its own uh, stability problems, of course. But uh, and moreover, the the largest Swedish banks are supposed to be handled in resolution and not liquidated. So there is very little the probability that the uh, uh, deposit guarantee will be activated will come in play for Swede the largest Swedish bank is, is very low. So even though we think it's a good idea in general, it's not important for Swedish banks and probably not as important for, as an argument for, uh, for, partic for participation. I think I will skip the, uh, the point on the Riks Bank. So, um, so the, 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 in, in short, uh, the, the conclusion we, we, we draw from, from uh, looking at, at uh, supervision and, and resolution, um, we say that if Sweden were to join, there will be, in normal circumstances, there will, the consequences, either positive or negative, will be of limit, limited. They will not be decisive. So it's not in that sense not a big deal whether you stay outside or join. There are pros and there are cons, but on balance it doesn't, probably will, will not uh, uh, have that big effect on, on the financial stability in Sweden. But um, the uncertainty uh, in, in the systemic crisis, uh, I mentioned the access to resolution funds, etc., uh, increases and therefore there can be risks that, that um, uh, that financial stability, uh, could, financial stability in Sweden could be uh, given less weight than financial stability in the banking union as a whole. Uh, and therefore, you must be aware, or politicians must be aware of this risk, even though we, we don't put a number on it, but we, we think they, they should evaluate um, the, the pros and cons also in a systemic crisis perspective. A uh, few words on banks. Uh, I, I think I let the slide talk. I think it talks for itself. Um, in general, we, we don't see any, any major, in the long run, any major effects on, for, ba for banks' costs. Again, it has some pros and it has some cons. Um, and, and, uh, and the reason is that, uh, that uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, that, that there are this trend towards a more harmonized uh, rule book, uh, uh, not only, well, globally, but in, in, in particularly in, in the European Union, which means that the, there's no, uh, there's no, the room for regulatory arbitrage is very low. Of course, there will be costs for, for uh, banks, uh, direct costs in terms of handling the more intrusive supervision that the ECB has and, and, and some administrative fees and so on. But in general, we think uh, 
this is not a big deal for for banks and i i sh i think i can uh, i can say that uh, this is a this is a view that the largest swedish bank uh, shares uh, Now, this is uh, a more political uh, aspect of this, uh, of, of potential participation. And that is, would participation in the banking union uh, increase Sweden's influence on EU policy in the fields of, um, in, in, the economic, uh, uh, in the economic policy area, or especially financial market policy area, especially given the uh, ongoing uh, deepening of the monetary union. We point, first of all, that there is a risk of margin marginalization for member states that, stay, that uh, are outside the euro area. And that has to do with, with not only with, with the, the fact that this uh, group of non-euro area member states are, are decreasing in numbers, but it's also the fact that post-Brexit, uh, it's, it's, uh, there, there's a shift of, of uh, balance uh, between within the EU uh, to the benefit of euro area member states. And so that's something that is important to bear in mind. Uh, and also, the, the, um, it could be difficult to agree on common positions among, um, among those member states that are outside the, the, mem uh, the banking union because we have very different banking structure, which I think Pavel will man uh, come back to in his uh, comments. Um, our conclusion or assessment is that participation would not significantly, significantly increase Sweden's influence, uh, but could be seen as a token of commitment. I mean, that we, Sweden is prepared to take a, 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 a joint responsibility for financial stability in the banking union as a whole, and that could be at least a way of keeping the kind of influence that we that we have today but we think that it on the mar at the margin it could be uh, a way of increasing the uh, Sweden's influence in, in, in especially when it comes to formulating new financial market regu regulations now this is uh, of course very difficult to know beforehand but still uh, we think it's an important aspect that should be given weight when when uh, uh, the decision were if it's a yes or a no, uh, the political decision, uh, this is an important aspect that should be uh, taken into account. And then uh, we, we um, kind of end with a number of key considerations or messages to, to, to the politicians, uh, so to say, that some of the factors that we think should be uh, given weight in the, in the uh, uh, political positioning go going forward. And I will not go through all of them. Uh, I think one, of course, is as, uh, there, this, uh, the, the political process will involve a balancing of, of many different aspects. It's not only about financial stability. It's about Sweden's influence. And it's about Swedish banks' competitiveness. It's about uh, um, the financing of, of export-oriented export uh, uh, businesses and so on. So it's, it's a big issue. But it's, it's also the fact that you cannot, it's not a a la, a la carte uh, um, exercise. You cannot pick your own pros or, or, or cons. You have to, 
you have to be clear that you participate in the whole of the banking union in, in its present and future form. So it's not, you cannot pick and choose. So it's, uh, uh, you have to buy it all or uh, don't buy it. Um, we, I would also, I would like to end with um, uh, a few words on timing and political, political positioning. And, and this is not to say that we, as I said in the beginning, we, we do not recommend uh, or, or foresee any particular outcome of, this, of the political process. But we think that there are aspects of the timing aspects that, that need to be considered very carefully. And of course, you can, there are le legitimate arguments that points towards that you should postpone a decision. <coughs> and I have listed three of them here. There might be more, but th these are the three that we have in the, in the report. Of course, there, there, there are remaining risks in, in the euro-area Euro banks. Uh, for instance, I mean, there is a general uncertainty, uh, economic uncertainty at the moment. Uh, the banking union is not yet complete, and we don't really see its, the final, its final destination. And the, the geographical parameter um, is, is uh, undecided or unclear. Uh, we don't really know which member states will be in and or outside. Now, the counter-argument is that there's always uncertainty. This uncertainty. Some uncertainty might go away, but other uncertainty will be... Uh, come in and, and so you cannot it's probably a good thing to assume that you will always have uncertainty and it's difficult we, we believe that to, to define beforehand uh, what you mean by co com the completion of the banking union when, when is the banking union which criteria should you s need to be uh, fulfilled for for you to say that the banking union is complete. Uh, I think if you look at many of the EU projects, on larger projects, they are never, it's not a project, it's a process. And I think that goes also for the banking union. So it's very difficult to, to commit ex ante to these criteria. And finally, uh, we believe that there could be some additional arrangements that could improve, could make the terms of participation more 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 equal and and for instance as i mentioned it would probably could be arranged that the director general of the swedish fsa could participate in the ecb governing council meetings uh, representatives from swedish government could probably be invited to the eurogroup where where when the banking union we still are to some extent already but that could be maybe uh, on the margin uh, enhanced uh, or when banking union issues are discussed. Uh, but we, we point to the risk that if you want to make such additional arrangements, the time is probably now rather than interior's time. Then it's more a fait accompli. You have to, this is the banking union, take it or leave it, or take it or stay outside. Whereas in the, in the uh, near term, there might be more room for, for discussing these kind of additional arrangements. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.
before I give the word to Powell, can I ask a clarifying question? If Sweden were to join the banking union, what percentage of the banking uh, sector will fall under the uh, systemically relevant banks and therefore go to, uh, go to Frankfurt? Is this, is this a huge component or is this yeah, it's, it's more or less more half half? Or? Uh, you mean on the total of the Swedish total, total banking sector? Yeah. Ooh, I should know this, uh, but I am uh, <laughs> um, uh, pretty sure it's it's, it's significant. It's significant. Yeah, it's significant because the banking structure. You have the th um, the, the three largest banks, and then you have oh, you have Nordea, uh, which have subsidiaries in 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 in, in uh, Sweden, uh, even though the headquarters have moved. So so. I, I, I can't give you, uh, as I said, I have had one month leave, so I forgot something, I but, but it's, a, it's a significant. But it will make a difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would. Okay, it would. okay super. That's, that's, that's important, I think, for understanding yeah. context. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, why, Pavel, why you just started, then Elena will come second. Um. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for inviting me, for commenting this uh, very interesting report. Uh, we had our report done in 2014. Uh, that, that was the report assessing the possibility of joining the Eurozone. And one of the elements of joining the Eurozone is, of course, joining the banking union. And uh, some of our comments from that time are still valid, some not. But uh, I'm here to comment your, your report. And even though we are one sea apart, the Baltic Sea apart, geographically, we are not that far away in some, some points of the assessment of the of the benefits and risk of joining the banking union. Some, some, there are some differences, uh, and these differences relate basically to the structure of, of our banking sectors. So, uh, how do I do it? Mm. Okay. So, the banking, banking sector in Sweden is much larger compared to the GDP than the Polish one. So, in case of Sweden, it's like 250% of GDP, in our case, is a little bit like 90% of GDP. And this is important because size matters when you talk to large, uh, large uh, people, I mean, people from large banks. And if you are small, your voice is maybe little, on a little smaller amplitude than, than the, of the large guys. Then the, another structural difference between, between our sectors, banking sectors, is the role of foreign investors or the role of foreign banks in the banking sector. Uh, in your case, this, this role increased after Nordea moved to, to Finland. In our case, this role is decreasing because the Polish government was taking over the shares in, of course, it's a shortcut to, to say it, so the, the role of the Polish investors in the banking sector is increasing. One of the banks is uh, a, a subsidiary of Commerzbank, the M-Bank is on sale now. And if, if this bank is sold to, the, to one of the Polish banks, I mean Polish with the Polish control banks, then the role of the, of the foreign investors would, would decrease. And the reason why I'm saying about this, this role of the foreign investor is, is that if you have a banking sector which is controlled, basically, by foreign banks, then there is a case for joining the, the, the rule-making body or the decision-making body, which has an impact on your banks. If this, the, the share of your, of, of your banks domestically 
funded domestically, I would say controlled is larger, then this role maybe is, uh, or this, this factor is more, a little bit more, uh, less important. The next thing is the, the business model. So the right-hand side, uh, right side graph shows the, the share of different banks in our systems by, the, by assets. So in, in the Polish case, we have lo local universal banks mainly. These are banks which operate in Poland. They are funded in Poland by, po by the Polish deposits. And in case of Sweden, you have a lot of mortgage banks which have a different funding model. And this funding, funding model is, uh, is actually very different. Uh, in the Polish case, like 70% of, of the liabilities, these are the deposits. And by deposits, I mean Polish deposits. Deposits in Polish lotis of Polish customers. Uh, in, in the case of Sweden, it's half and half between the uh, I would say debt financing and and the and the deposit financing, and this debt financing partially is is funded through the international markets. At least partially. I I, I don't know how much, but uh, part of it is uh, is being financed from outside. And from this difference in funding funding model, you have also difference in uh, loan to deposit ratio, which is much higher in Sweden than in Poland. So, to sum up these uh, two slides, we have, uh, in Poland, we have locally operating banks. So, I would say universal banks which serve uh, households, which, which serves uh, non-financial non corporations, uh, with not a lot of mortgage banks, I mean, in, in terms of the share, share in assets. Of course, the, if, if you think about the uh, the loan portfolio structure, the, 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 the mortgages are really well, a very important part of assets, but the funding model of these of this banks is different. So basic, basically deposits. And uh, uh, another difference is in the profitability. <coughs> Even though we have, at the end of 2018, almost the same return on assets in, in the two, two banking sectors, the return on equity in, the, in terms of, of Swedish banks is much higher because of higher leverage. So this, uh, this also have an, an, an impact on how, how we assess the uh, being in different structure related to the supervision of banks. And finally, we have different indebtedness of the, of the economies. Uh, Polish, Polish economy is much less indebted than the Swedish one for different reasons. This is not, not the place or not the time to discuss it, why it is that so. But that means, these this, this factors which, uh, which, which I showed show uh, actually the, the thing that the Swedish banking sector is much more integrated, much more interlinked with the, with the foreign or outside financial sector than the Polish one. This is one, one thing. There is a much higher foreign exposure of, the, of, of Swedish banks than the Polish banks. And there is a higher indebtedness of the economies. So this, this means that these three factors make a case for, for a much stronger, from the economical point of view, I'm not talking as, as a Polish citizen, I'm talking like an economist now. So these three, three factors make a, make a case for a stronger cooperation with, with, with the outside.
with the outside regulators, with, um, mm, with international bodies setting the rules which influence the operations of your banking sectors. So one of the very good examples how it works in, in Sweden is, for instance, and I'm now uh, taking a hat of the, of the central banker from the uh, central Eastern Europe, is the co cooperation be between the Nordic banks and the Baltic banks which is uh, confirmed by the very nice memorandum of understanding between the banks, uh, between the central banks, ministers of finance and so on. And this memorandum of understanding was really working during the crisis. That was really a, a very good basis for the cooperation between the, the Nordic banks and the Baltic, Baltic banks, which are actually subsidiaries of, of, of the, in many cases, the Swedish banks. So now coming back to the, to the banking union. So the banking union, as everyone says, is composed of three pillars, and I'm thinking that it's actually three pillars when, with something that joins them together. So we have a single supervision, we have a single resolution, and we are going to have a single deposit guarantee, which is interlinked or put together with the, actually the willingness to work on the design of those three elements. And this is the element that is crucial in thinking about whether to join or not to join the, the banking union. But one question is really behind this, this design. What this, and the question is, comes to the history. So why was the banking union created? And the banking union was created according to, well, I was reading, the, uh, for instance, the, the speech of Margaret Delgrado, the Banca de España uh, governor. And she, she reminded us that, that the banking union was created to safeguard the euro. That was one point. And the second point was to break this, this sovereign bank feedback loop, feedback loop, which was dragging down the, uh, the, the public finances of the eurozone countries. So that was behind the design of the banking union. And uh, of course, that was the European project, so it had to be open for, for non-eurozone uh, countries. Of course, it's a process, it's not a project, as you said. Uh, they had, uh, I mean, the, the designers of the banking union had to start with something, had to do something at that moment to first to, to safeguard the euro and second to, 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 to break this feedback loop. So we have to understand that this is still a, a working process. But thinking about joining the club is really thinking about the, the reason for, for creation of the banking union. As uh, Ms. Delgrado said, uh, and she was involved in designing it, so there's no, uh, I, I, I can't just think that she was not, uh, well, that she was really saying what was behind it. She said that, it, that the banking union project was not a result of a, of a really a political thinking that we need a stronger supervision in Europe. This is what she said in one of the, um, one of the uh, interviews or, or speeches uh, in this year, actually. So. If uh, we know that there are two countries right now in, in the EU which, are, which have to think about joining the banking union, this is Croatia and Bulgaria, and the reason why they are thinking about this is because they, they want to join the euro. And this is the, the, the conditions in non to, to join the, the eurozone. The reason, why is, the, the reason why there is a need to, to join the banking union is, uh, well, is very well explained in one of the law opinion of the, of the European lawyers, uh, uh, so it's, it's not, not for me to comment on this. Uh, 
But this is one another consideration to think about the, the joining the, the banking union. So now talking about the, the, the four elements. From our point of view, the, the stronger banking system in Eurozone is, is, is really a, a very, uh, I would say, positive value for, the, for, for Europe. Because, you're, well, I think it's, it's such a truism that I, I, it doesn't make sense to comment it more. But we have to think that this is a stronger supervision of the largest banks. We, are, we still have these less important in institutions, as, as they are called, which are not subject to the, uh, to the direct uh, supervision of the, of the ECB. And what kind of issues do we have with, uh, with, with the SSM? Well, the first thing is, uh, does, does this one model fit all countries? Uh, I mean, the, in the, would, this, uh, would this kind of the, of the design have the possibility to, to, to take into account the specific specificity of different countries and countries operating with different monetary policy and with different currencies? Decision-making process. Uh, there is nothing that we can do about this because this is written down in, in the treaties about the governing council role in the, in the decision-making process. But the key issue is also related to the, to the proper balance of powers and responsibilities. And now I'm referring to the to one, one thing, the access to liquidity backstops for opt-ins. Why it is important? Because uh, what we can read or hear from the, from the representatives of the ECB is that this, this SSM supports the centralized capital and liquidity management of the, of the banking groups. That means that this, the, 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 the norms on the, on the equity or capitalization or liquidity had to be maintained at the highest level of, of, of consolidation of banks. And this is actually a question, how should we <coughs> expect or how can we expect that the subsidiaries or branches of the, of, of the global banks would have sufficient liquidity in times of a crisis? Because we, we have to think as central banks about the, 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 the worst cases. The other th thing relates to the knowledge of local markets, as you said, in transition probably, that would be uh, probably managed in, in some time. But uh, this also relates to the capital requirements that the uh, local, local supervisory authority can, can impose on banks. This pillar two measures that are sometimes, uh, well, we still think that, may, that the local supervisor can learn or know more about them than the, than the, than the centralized. And the, the question about ending the close cooperation, that's of course a large stigma. And no one knows how to manage this. The second thing relates to the single resolution mechanism. And we see a lot of positive aspect, aspects of the design of DSRM. There's, uh, there's potential issues, uh, I would say, uh, also about one thing, the provision of, of liquidity assistance, emergency liquidity assistance. Uh, that, would be, that would have to be provided in local currency, so in kronas or in zlotis. Um, and now I'm thinking about practical issues. These decisions would probably have to be made in consultations with the ECB. The, the freedom to, to, to act would be probably somehow constrained. 
And uh, two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. So I'm going to the uh, European Deposit Insurance Scheme. And you said that it's not that important for Sweden, and for us it is important because of different, different, uh, uh, different structure of liabilities. So, of course, this is a point of difference in, in clear point of difference in, in the assessment. And uh, I'm, as I'm running out of time, uh, this this element that puts together the three the three elements. So, having your voice being heard is really important in the. So one of the considerations in opting in, and the title of this of today's meeting was uh, "Take a chance on me." So um, I think it's it's a good idea to to go through some <laughs> verses of the lyrics of this song. So if you change your mind, who's the first in line? And the first in line, we know who is. Uh, there, there will be Bulgaria and Croatia, but who's next? The, ne the next in line. That's a good question. So, and if you are all alone, then it means that we are all alone, uh, or the, the, the country that is the last one to join probably will have to take it or, or not take it. <coughs> but then, of course, if you are, if you are alone, then the, your influence on the decision-making process in the, in the design would be, uh, would, be, would be smaller. Of course, no one wants to, to put anything to test. Uh, and, this is something that we'd like to avoid, testing the, the, um, the resilience of the banking union. But you cannot try. This is not the thing that you can try. You either join or not. If you try then you, and you decide to leave, then you fail. Yeah? So, so you cannot uh, try joining the, the, the banking union. Get to know you better, of course. Uh, let's see how, how would uh, Bulgaria and Croatia um, go through uh, everything, and yes, you can take your time, and this is what uh, what we are going to do. We are going to wait and see. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Effective view of the time. I'm going to go straight to Elena. If you can, Elena, are you still with us? Yes. 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 Definitely. Why don't okay. you give us your your ideas on on what you just heard, and then we can open up the discussion. Yes, thank you. First of all, thank you. And sorry if I not can, I cannot be there physically. I actually have to leave around 2.20 maximum because I have an unexpected meeting this afternoon. So I will try to be brief. And also because the discussion has already been quite rich. So let me just give some remarks. Um, let me start with some general comments, which is I was thinking yesterday when I was reading the report, the summary of the report, I didn't read the Swedish version of the report, that what are the main elements that I would be looking at when taking this decision or thinking about taking this decision? And I thought the two main um, impacts would be on the one end on the decision-making process has been highlighted. So to which extent uh, surrendering the autonomy of the decision-making process, because at the end of the day, joining the banking union, it means surrendering the individual independent decision-making process in Sweden in one way or another. But on the other hand, joining a broader decision-making process, which is more European or at least more Euro area uh, based. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, how shall we think about this? As it has been pointed out, this has pro and cons in the sense that it has the benefit of participating to decisions that belong a much bigger area than just not one country. The ECB has certainly more resources in many, in many ways. 
this diversity of culture and approaches and so on. But of course, on the other hand, there is the, le the less independence and in particular, the potential divergence, if you want, between the interests of Sweden and the interests of the Euro area. And here, I mean, in, in a way, we have never experimented uh, what it means and what would be the interest of a non-Euro area country in a Euro area decision-making process. And here we'll go back to the issue of the governance of the ECB in more details. So it's very difficult to estimate the effect of surrendering the decision-making power as it being highlighted. On the one hand, you participate more in the European decision. Uh, on the other hand, you, you are not in the Euro area. So it's very difficult to understand the balance between the two. So then after looking at this decision-making effect, I would be focused much more, uh, very much on the impact of the banking sector. And there, um, I couldn't get from the report much information on the Swedish banking sector, although once I actually did the review of Riksbank, of the Financial Stability Department of Riksbank, so I, I had some prior knowledge on the Swedish banking system. But I understand also from what the power said that the banking system is very integrated with the rest of Europe, and the decision of Nordea to move to Finland suggests that maybe at least the larger banks in Sweden would benefit, and they would benefit in many dimensions. They would benefit from being more, uh, being just subject to one supervisor rather than too many. Um, they would benefit in terms of competitiveness, in terms of being more integrated in, um, business-wise. So to me, it seems that the bank is there, or at least one big bank, which maybe had other reasons to move to Finland, but at least that bank moved to Finland. And this is, to me, is, is something to think very carefully about. In terms of risks and the financial stability of the, of the Swedish um, banking sector, at the moment is, of course, not a big issue, because as it was said, uh, Swed Swedish banks at the moment are doing very well in a sense, both in, uh, from a capital and liquidity perspective. But that is something that um, should be taken into account, in particular, as it was said, what happens when there will eventually when there would be a systemic crisis, what it would really mean not to have the independent power there. Then let me move more to the, uh, the, more the point for discussion in terms of the banking union itself. And here I would like to talk about the supervision uh, and in particular the ECB governance structure, governance structure and the resolution and the uncertainty on the completion of the banking union. So let me start with the supervision of the banking union. As it is, the reporter was saying, it is true that capital, liquidity, and in general, the functioning of the SSM is based on European regulation. And as such, Sweden is already belonging to this and following these regulations. So at least in terms of rules, there wouldn't be a big difference in terms of whether being in the banking union or outside of the banking union. Although, as we know, implementation may be very different. And in particular, implementation, I mean also the information that is required, which of course, given that Sweden is not in the banking union, the ECB, at least in the transition, may have less information on Sweden relative to other countries belonging to the banking union. Because they, of course, the SSM, can eventually rely on the information that is produced, not just within the SSM, but also within the ECB more at large. And here I'm thinking of the macroprudential uh, directory, the financial stability of the ECB, which is of course a, a Euro area uh, focus, or anyway, it's a, it is within the ECB, so it's more focused on the Euro area. 
So this is to say that on the one end, it's true that rules are equivalent or similar um, between Sweden and the banking union, but the information and therefore the implementation may be different. Let me come to the governance of the ECB, which I think is really the crucial aspect here. So it has been mentioned that um, Sweden is not belonging to the governing council, as we know, and it will never be as, <laughs> unless it joins the euro. But on the other hand, it could eventually uh, maybe participate when Swedish discussion, when, when Sweden's matter are discussed. I have difficulties in thinking that this could be a solution of the problem of not being participating. And the reason is that first, if you are a member of the banking union, I think it's important that you participate in all decisions regarding banks in Euro, in the Euro area, not just banks, decisions um, concerning banks in Sweden. Because at the end of the day, your banking system will be competing and will be even closer related to the, banking, to, to, to the banks uh, based in the banking union. So I think it belong, I mean, participating only in the decision in the governing council that would pertain to Sweden is not enough to give you equivalent terms. Then I was thinking, looking a little bit at the governance structure of the ECB, I was thinking whether there could be another way of in, improving, if you want, your participation in the decision-making power of the ECB. So my understanding is that the supervisor, this is a little bit technical, but allow me for a little digression. So I understand that when, so the supervisory board usually issues a decision or a draft of the decision, and usually the, govern, and the governing council has the objection power. And so far, this has never been exercised. So we don't know really what, I mean, how it would work out in case there would be an objection. But there is a structure in case of an objection, which entails the participation of what is called mediation panel, which is a mediation that should sort of inform uh, the supervisory power of the decision of the governing council, or at least the motivation of the governing council, and the help in reaching a mediation. So I was wondering whether Sweden, and I don't know the legal terms for it, so I, I'm not a legal expert, but I was wondering to which extent the Sweden could at least have a member in this mediation panel, whether this would already help a little bit more. And a, a member in the, decision, in the decision panel, not just again for uh, Swedish matters, but for all the matters that could eventually be treated in the mediation panel. Another aspect of the governance is that banks that uh, um, have a decision of the SSM can appeal to the administrative board through an administrative board review. So I was again wondering to which extent can Sweden have a representative in this board. In this board. So these are two boards. One is sort of the first level of appeal, the administrative review panel. And the other one is the mediation panel that would enter into, into play when there is a conflict between the supervisory uh, board and the governing council. I was wondering to which extent Sweden could participate in these two uh, parts of the governance structure, because this would already help quite significantly. Another possibility uh, would be to explore a little bit more the role that the General Council of the ECB could have. So we know that the, the ECB has the governing council, as we know, this, um, is the competent body for monetary policy decisions and for objections of the SSM. 
But the ECB also has another body, which is called the General Council, where all the member states of the European Union are represented, and therefore also Sweden. So at the moment, the tasks of this council are different from those relating pertaining to the SSM. But I was wondering to which extent maybe something could be done also in that direction, that maybe the general council assumes another uh, function. I know these are written in treaties, so it's very difficult to change something. But the SSM itself and the governance of the SSM, that is not written in the treaty because it wasn't um, foreseen in the treaty directly. So I don't know legally which extent there is a flexibility there. But I think in the overall discussion on the, surround, the surroundings of the decision-making power to, to, to the ECB and the banking union structure, I think this is really the crucial aspect, that Sweden, if it joins, is represented, is represented in a sufficient meta, way. And, and again, not just for what concerns Swedish methods but also more generally for what concerns all matters in the, for the euro area banks. Let me now move to resolution. So in terms of resolution, I was a bit surprised to see that both speakers were sort of hinting to the fact that for resolution it wouldn't change that much, or at least it would be easier um, the, the membership in the banking union uh, from a resolution perspective rather than from a supervision perspective. I tend to agree that formally this may be the case in the sense that, yes, um, it is true that in terms of governance structure, the SRM uh, is sort of make it easier, the joining of Sweden. But on the other hand, the resolution is an area where there is much more discretion uh, than supervision. And we have seen cases uh, where there has been a lot of discretion, at least a lot of heterogeneity in the way resolution cases have been handled. And we also know that there is one important aspect of the resolution, which is the public interest test. So the way resolution works is that the single supervisory mechanism has the supervision of ongoing banks but once the SSM finds that the banks are failing or likely to fail, it declares the bank failing or likely to fail. After that, the case goes under the remittance of the SRM and the single resolution board conducts what is called the public interest test. And the criteria to define whether a bank is in the public interest or not in the public interest are not well specified. So this is where I think there is a lot of discretion possibility. And if we see what happened uh, with the resolution cases that have been handled so far, we know that the Banco Portugal has been declared in the public interest, but the two Italian banks, the Veneto banks, have not. Now, and, and this, whether the bank is defining the public interest or not, is an important issue because if it is deemed to be in the public interest, then the bank is resolved. If instead is not considering the public interest, then the bank goes back to national authorities. So if you want, it would go back to national decision-making power, but in terms of liquidation, not in terms of resolution. So whether the bank fails the public interest test or passes it, it's very important for the handling of the crisis of the bank. So then here I was wondering to which extent a bank that would not be based in the euro area but would rather be based in a country which somehow does not have a direct spillover with the currency union, to which extent it would be considered less in the public interest than, a, than an equal bank, then would instead belong to the euro area. 
So here, so to some extent, the importance of the Swedish banking sector for the rest of the euro area is something that should be um, should be looked at and 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 somehow we should think about this very carefully because yes, the resolution rules and maybe governance is easier, but the discretion possibility in the resolution processes are much much bigger to some extent. So to which extent it would be really joining on equal basis again, de facto. Um, then there is the issue of the ESM and the liquidity and the fund, but this has already been discussed. If you don't mind, Elena, so, we're a bit of uh, running uh, short of time. Yes. Do you have any final comments? Or? Yes, no, just one comment on the fact that uh, the banking union, whether it's uh, um, complete and whether this is the right timing to join in the, uh, I mean, the fact that in particular we don't have the European deposit insurance scheme. So as it was said before, I think it's never the right time. And in a way, I think the banking union has a longer way to be fully completed, even irrespective of the deposit insurance. So in my view, this can be turned around, this argument, in the sense that, yes, maybe it's not complete, but if you want to be part of the completion and the design, you should rather join now rather than wait. So I see the argument of the lack of completion more for maybe as a reason to enter rather than as a reason to stay out. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. I have a number of very interesting points, actually. I hope you can, you can react to them. But in, in view of the time, uh, if you don't mind, can I take a few questions from the audience as well, and then you can sure. react to uh, a very quick comment, because I would like to give the floor also to people in the audience. Thank you. I just wanted to make a, sh a short comment on this resolution issues. One of the points that is, of course, very important for us is how would the, the single resolution board weigh the stability issues in member states against the stability of the whole banking union? This is a key question for us, of course. Of course, this is something that I, don't, I have not said. It was on my slides. I was running out. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Why don't we collect maybe two or three questions and then come back to the panel? Are there... Or you need to, uh, one here, okay, let's start from here, and two here, yeah. In one of your slides, you talk about timing. So one question that relates with the timing. Uh, if you decide to join, have you ever considered a joint approach with Denmark? Ah, what extent? Yeah. We actually have Nia Tigisi here who will tell us a little bit about Denmark. So that's a good thank so you for being that's one thing. The second one is relates with your cooperation with Baltic states. Uh, your banking sector receives a lot of stability from that cooperation. Do you see any additional benefits if you join? And then the last one is Nordea, the biggest, let's say, bank in, in Northern Europe, uh, move has, their headquarters to Finland. To what extent this is a factor, may affect or has affected Indeed. Indeed. Well, why don't we take the two questions here? Yeah. Just here, Niels, and then, yeah. Thank you, Maria. Niels Tigesen of Denmark. Uh, I'm not going to speak about banking union in general, uh, but uh, comment on the Danish situation relative to that of Sweden because uh, looking at uh, Mr. Bustet's uh, slides, it recalled completely the uh, report that uh, has been submitted to the Danish government by a group of high civil servants in December last year. 
uh, except for one argument, uh, one uncertainty that they had in addition to, uh, to you, namely that Sweden has not taken the stance. <laughs> As always, I'm afraid, uh, an argument in my country for not saying something. Uh, but in any case, uh, the remarkable difference uh, with you in Sweden is that all the arguments were gone through in much the same way, but they concluded uh, positively that uh, a number of factors weighed in favor, in the concluding remarks, weighed in favor of joining uh, banking union. Um, and that uh, the questions that had been outstanding from 2015 when we had a similar report had been clarified, uh, the uh, uh, practice of the uh, uh, bail-in and so on and the progress with uh, uh, deposit insurance and, and other things. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the government came out with a statement uh, very shortly thereafter saying, we received this report, uh, but we think there are still things to clarify. And in addition to Sweden, um, there's the implementation of the Basel rules in the EU uh, in the course of this year. Uh, there's also the uh, negotiations with the UK, uh, which play a role. Uh, and basically, uh, we'll generate a debate when some of these things are clarified. But we also think that it has to be submitted to a referendum, although the Danish uh, judicial authorities reached the same conclusion as yours did, namely that it was not a constitutional issue. It did not require a referendum, but we have the, in my view, unfortunate practice in my country of having so-called um, guiding referenda, nevertheless. So uh, yeah. we will probably, we will have to have one, no doubt. And, and it's difficult enough to explain, as we know today, uh, what the advantages and disadvantages of banking union are, but to do it to the general population is, of course, one order more more difficult. I think in, in that discussion, it does play a role, as uh, our Polish contributor said, that uh, many people do tend still to regard banking union as primarily a thing that was done to for those in, in EMU, as it was indeed, but it's also very much part of the single market to which we all participate in the general EU. But that image is still uh, part of the explanation of the reticence of, uh, of my own country to contribute, despite the positive assessment overall. Yeah. Thank you. One more question? Let's take this I was wondering uh, if, if you look at it on the, from the other side, how interesting or desirable is it for the EU to, uh, to have Sweden and Poland to join in? Um, one last question, actually, and then I'd like to come back to the... So if, if Sweden was to join uh, the, the banking union, obviously, would they all need to go full on and potentially be subject to the or benefit from the deposit guarantee scheme. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of political controversy around it, uh, as we hear. How do you think that the general population would would look at it? And, uh, and, and there is always a lot of controversy around that point. How do you think would that play in terms of balancing the pros and the cons in terms of uh, Sweden joining the Union? Thank you very much. Um, and, and if I may add just one last question here on the on the uh, on this link that you've all made actually, but you've actually not committed to explaining what you mean by that, which is how much should you link participation in the in the banking union, participation to the euro? I mean, what does what is the signal either way? Not in the way that you would like it to be, but in the way that the citizens would perceive it. Why don't we come back to uh, to you first, Frederick? For uh, you can be selective on the way that you are uh, that you answer the questions. But uh, unfortunately, I. I think I have to. Uh, thank you very much for uh, excellent comments and, and and also for very good questions. Uh, I don't. Maybe I I cannot 
share all my thoughts <laughs> and answer all the questions, but I'll try. Uh, first of all, on the, uh, you mentioned the Nordic-Baltic um, uh, Memorandum of Understanding, and you, you also asked about the, the cooperation with the Baltic uh, countries. And of course, this is something that has served the region well, um, given the, the interactions, the financial linkages uh, that are that are obvious. I mean, we, in the report, we, we say that probably Finland and the uh, Baltic countries will, over time, orient themselves more towards the banking union. That doesn't mean that the, memora the MOU that exists will, be, will become obsolete, but we point at the risk that it will be of lesser importance uh, going, going, going forward. And as you said, you said that it, it, it worked very well during the crisis. I, yeah, I, I agree to a certain point. I mean, it was, more, it was also a result of the crisis. <laughs> so uh, it, it maybe it was uh, a, a, an indication that things were not working as, as well as they should be before. And one thing that is unresolved in, uh, in, in, the, um, in the MOU is the financial burden sharing. And that's something we also point at in the report that, I mean, if you join the banking union, you will be part of a fully mutualized resolution fund from 2024. And that effectively means that the financial burden sharing is sold beforehand. So, and, and that should presumably, that will uh, make the resolution process of cross-border banks more efficient because the Swedish resolution authority doesn't have to go around and, you know, with the, <laughs> with the cap and ask for money. Uh, so this is sold, and I think that's, that, that means that the, the MOU and the banking union <laughs> is not perfect substitutes, uh, and I think that's uh, uh, worth mentioning. Uh, what had we? We have Denmark, the situation. I mean, obviously, if this is a coordination problem or issue, uh, I mean, both if Denmark and Sweden decides that uh, it's beneficial to to to, um, uh, to participate, of course, it would be good to participate uh, to, to at the same time. But the, the the question is whether whether Sweden would join if Denmark joins or the way, other way around. And, and this is fortunately not for us to, to discuss, but however, what, what happens in Denmark is important to us, even though we have not made it as, you know, given as, as a prominent role as, as in the Danish report. Um, uh, have we more? Um, well, about what the EU thinks uh, about Sweden <laughs> joining. I, it's, well, you have to ask the, the, the commission. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, I mean, we have been uh, going around to, to these institutions I mentioned and to the member states and, and, the, 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 the and also talked to, you know, think tanks and many others. And the impression we got from, and this was uh, across the board, was that uh, at least the, the banking union would see Swedish participation as a very good thing for, for various reasons. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think that's the, the issue here. <laughs> it's um, rather the other way around. Um, yeah, and um, uh, 
Elena had a number of uh, yeah we she mentioned about w whether it would be possible for for Swede uh, Swedish member to to participate uh, to be on board on the board of the mediation panel and the uh, the appeal board and of course th these are some of these additional arrangement that, that I mentioned that probably could be uh, worked out uh, if uh, Sweden indicates uh, sort of a pos positive um, view on, on participation. But, uh, uh, and we also have a discussion about that in the report. Um, then about the, um, what is the uh, a, um, feeling among, among the, <laughs> The, the Swedish population about um, joining and about the, uh, was it the, especially the DGS? You know, yeah. Uh, it's very we we haven't. This is not, not nothing that is polled in Sweden, uh, and the, the only quote unquote only uh, persons that have been uh, been out in the debate so far have have been uh, people from uh, academia and our our uh, former finance minister, um, and. Uh, so I, I, it's very difficult to say. Uh, of course, banks are not extremely popular in Sweden either. Uh, so I don't know whether that will play uh, play a part. But also, I think that there, there is a, this perception going back to to what Powell emphasized that this is uh, perceived to be a euro area uh, project or process primarily. Uh, and on the same note, I. I, I of course, I agree with you that this, the trigger was the euro crisis, and probably the banking union wouldn't have happened so soon if it hadn't been for the euro crisis. That doesn't mean that solving the Euros, euro area problems or banking problems is the only rationale for having a banking union. So you shouldn't uh, uh, put, you shouldn't uh, uh, um, uh, no exactly. Uh, so I think that. Going forward, probably uh, issues around competition, the internal market, uh, I mean, absent any new stability crisis, I think those aspects will become more important. And also, how do we more efficiently so tackle uh, new vulnerabilities such as cyber threats or climate or what have you? And that's something also we, we, we discuss a little bit in the report because there, there might be some economies of scale in trying to, to, to identify and mitigate those kinds of risks. So it's not, the, I mean, the, the financial system can go bust for many reasons, and the, the, new, the <laughs> new reasons might not be the same as, as, uh, as previously. Well, thank you. Uh, Powell, any comments? Uh, thank you. Just, uh, just a comment about this, this design of historical, uh, historical uh, issues related to the design of the, of the banking union. Uh, why I mentioned this, that the, 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 the reason for, for making the banking union was the crisis, is because this, this reasoning behind somehow framed the banking union. And this frame, how it looks like now and how it would look like in the future, would of course have an have a influence on your decision. You are joining the, the group or the, you are joining the, the, the scheme that has a specific structure. And this structure is a result of the history. And this is, that, that this is, my, this is why I mentioned this, this, this comment. Of course, looking to the future, 
We have to think about the, the capacity of, of identifying new risks, uh, capacity to limit those risks, to design instruments to limit the risks, to, to design the supervisory pr process in a, in a best way, taking, uh, taking into con consideration the experience of different countries, which is enriching, definitely. What we've seen from the from your report, actually from from 2016, uh, when when you did a, a report assessing the, the banking union from different different countries, many countries really s saw the, the the benefit of the banking union. It's and that was done a few years ago, and is of course still valid. But isn't also the argument that Elena brought in this discussion that maybe because the history had now has been written, as mm -hmm. histories are, uh, but it's still not complete, therefore by joining early on the timing issue, then you have an opportunity to maybe uh, design it or help design it differently. Uh, surely that plays into that argument. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, okay. Very good. Uh, are there any final questions that we can ask our panelists from the audience? Or one last question from the back, if we can have uh, a mic. Um, uh, maybe I'll just speak up. Uh, The global financial crisis, but also the Swedish uh, crisis in the early or, or mid-90s. Uh, would any of those crises, um, as you rightly pointed out, this is not only about crisis management, but it does play a very substantial role in the assessment of whether to join or not. Would any of those crises have been substantially differently handled, uh, better or worse, uh, if you'd had a banking union at the time, well, if you, Sweden had been a part of a banking union at the time. That's a very good question. That's a very good question, uh, as you said. And no, that's not the approach we have taken. And I mean, I think partly because of the way that's, to some extent, Sweden handled the, 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 uh, the, er, the, the banking crisis in 1990s kind of influenced the the uh, the new crisis management framework that we have today. So in that sense, it's a kind of endogenuity problem you have there. But um, anyway, I I mean there is a uh, perception, and maybe for good reasons, that the way we had handled the crisis in the early 1990s was uh, very effective. But and that we should have the same kind of tools, uh, used the same kind of tools that we, we used back then. Um, and th the problem from, from, from a tax point, a point of view <laughs> is that much of this crisis management was dependent on the, on, 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 uh, the government uh, nationalizing banks uh, effectively. Now, uh, exposed that turned out to be a, a, a more plus uh, so, um, uh, a plus affair to some extent, but you didn't know that example. So, making the same kind of crisis management today is is not according to the kind of uh, to the this uh, banking resolution recovery and resolution framework that we have today. So, you you're not allowed to some extent to 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 make the same kind of. Uh, to apply the same kind of tools as we did back then, um, but of course some of the um, some of the um, uh, early warning signals might have been stronger in the banking union. 
if, if a bank, Sweden was part of the banking union back then, I would say. And also maybe some of the coordination problems that, that we had in the, in the 2008-2009 crisis with the Baltic countries might have also been better solved uh, in the banking union. But I, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting, but it's a very difficult exercise to sort of backtrack what, w what would have happened if we had a, been part of the banking union. I leave that to Bruegel. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, this week has uh, an exercise that goes in this direction. It puts the system, uh, the, the, the system back then through the current rules to see how well it would have fared. And that, 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 is, that of course, is an exercise that you can attempt. Uh, but, uh, but can you tell us what happens next with the report? Is there a pending decision? Or? Well, uh, that's the, uh, probably the most difficult question. I, uh, but what I can say in the very short round is that the report is sent out for consultation, meaning that uh, authorities and, and uh, and, well, anybody else uh, can, can send in their comments, or, but the authorities are mm. asked to. Uh, and then we'll see. Uh, there will be some kind of political process uh, um, afterwards, but it, it, uh, I don't know. Okay, probably look into Denmark to see what Denmark does. To some extent, yes. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. That's all we have uh, time today. Thank you both for coming. And Elena, for joining us from Rote, if you're still there. Okay, I, I think she's dropped off, actually. So, uh, But anyway, thank you all for a very interesting discussion. Thank you for taking the time for such this. And join me in thanking Thank you. Thank you.